Messy Situations is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. <laughs> if she didn't hear something she didn't like or I wasn't being as responsive as she liked, it would just turn into a rapid-fire phone call situation. So I would literally get 70 to 90 missed calls a day. Wait, wait, responding. wait, wait. 770. 70 to 90. Whoa. Hi everyone, welcome to Messy Situations, the show where we break down and break through all of life's messes, starting with ourselves. I'm your host, Kane Sarhan. And I'm your co-host, Michelle Promaleko. And we are apart today, which is sort I of I know, sad. I hate being away from you. I know. I can't say I hate where I am, though. You know, I'm home in my beloved Miami Beach, Florida. I know, rub it in, why don't you? It's still a little chilly here in NYC, but it's warming up. So we're going to just keep our eye on the prize. Spring is coming. We've just had the solstice, and soon warmer days will be here. So I'm just going to stay happy about it. You know, and I'm surprised how fucking optimistic you are. You were at the DMV today. Oh my God, I know it's the worst. And I was so stressed about having my picture taken because I hate having my picture taken. But also you have to live with that bitch for fucking 10 years. And I was like, this is really I know. stressful. <laughs> By the way, my fucking passport photo is such a messy situation. When I tell you that I hadn't showered in like 36 hours, I was like running around, forgot I had to do it. I look like a mixture between a meth addict and like 1999 Middle Eastern terrorist. And I say that as someone who's probably half Middle Eastern. It is such a bad photo and I'm stuck with it for 10 years. I like, I'm embarrassed to hand it over. It's the same thing, the passport versus the license and how vain are we that we're focused on these things? These are not real problems. They're just problems for super vain people. Listen, I've said I have no problem owning and claiming my vanity. It's something that I have, you know what I mean? I'm aware. Admitting it is the first step. Well, any other messy situations? I mean, I got myself into one recently. Do you want to hear about it? Oh my God, please. All right. Well, you know that I was recently on vacation in Hawaii, right? So I was in Hawaii on vacation. I was sitting out having coffee with a friend, sitting out on the sidewalk, and this guy walks by and he sort of interjects into our conversation, which ordinarily I would find super annoying, but he did it in a smooth way. And it's Hawaii, it's Kauai, it's chill. People are friendly. The New Yorker and me like stiffened up for a second. And then I was like, okay, no, this is all right. But this is the thing. And in other places besides New York, people actually say hi. I've realized Like that. when they're walking down the street, they just feel like they can insert themselves into your conversation. So that's it's what this so guy weird. did. I know. He starts chatting with us and he asked, you know, if we were local, I said I wasn't. She said she was because my friend lives there. At the end of the conversation, he turned to me and said, would you like to have coffee with me while you're here? And I was so like taken aback because I'm just like not used to being asked out on dates. So I was like, uh, um, no, maybe, I don't know. Uh, give me your number. So I took his number and I didn't know if I was going to do anything with it because I was like what's the like honestly what's the point it's Kauai I live in New York but then it turns out because it's such a small island he knows my friends and then he went into their store the next day and then they were talking about me to him and it started growing into this big thing so then I felt like I had to go out for coffee with this guy so I text him hey if you want to grab coffee let's make it happen long story short we're going back and forth trying to figure out a time and he says hey I have a question did you get the shot 
meaning the vaccine. And I'm thinking, oh, that's really polite of him to ask. He wants to make sure like we're both comfortable, the whole thing. And I write back, yeah, I got the shot. And he writes back because I didn't. And before we enter into an intimate situation, potentially, I just wanted to like say, I'm not cool with that. And I'm so confused. First of all, I'm wait, thinking- Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Since when is getting a coffee together an intimate fucking situation? The first red flag was <laughs> slow your roll, buddy. The second thing was he said he didn't get the shot. And then he said he was like not comfortable getting together. And I was like, wait a minute. I'm so confused. I didn't even want to go out for coffee with this guy, but I conceded because I just felt like it was building up into this thing. And then essentially I got rejected because of my vaccination status. He was uncomfortable with the fact that I was vaccinated which I later learned has something to do with he was afraid maybe in our intimate situation that he had, I guess, already fantasized in his brain that I would shed my vaccine on him as if that's a thing. What kind of fucked up upside down world are we in where my vaccination status basically disqualified me from going out on a date with this guy? Get me off this ride. That is my new line for like life. Seriously. And if this is what dating is like, I just want no part of it. Anyway, that's dating in Kauai. That was my messy situation. I didn't even get a chance to go on that date. I definitely dodged a bullet. I just had to laugh because I was like, seriously, seriously, this could only happen uh, to me. I, I'm actually like, I'm stunned. <laughs> Listen, this takes us right into our messy situation today because it's full of red flags. This one is multi-layered. We have relationship messiness, sex messiness, danger messiness, life-threatening situation messiness. We have like late night rendezvous. It is so complicated, so corrupted, so messy. And it all starts with our guest today. His name is Alex and he's been brave enough to come on our show today. And we are so excited to have him. Thank you for having me. Alex, thanks for joining us. Most messy situations don't start messy and this one didn't either. Before we get into where you're at in your current situation, can you sort of run us through this relationship and, and how it started? So definitely did not start out you know, nearly as messy as it's gotten. Pretty much a standard, you know, millennial meeting situation where somebody slid into somebody's DMs and quickly progressed to meeting up to, you know, hang out during the day, which quickly progressed to sleeping together that same day. You know, it started off very quick. We had a great connection. <laughs> I guess it was a little messy to start because at the time there was a very unique living situation where I had just gone through a breakup, yet my ex was still in the same house. Wow. So I had the new one coming over with the old one still there. And it was definitely like it it set the tone <laughs> from the get-go for this not to be a, a very standard relationship. I know you said this went from like a date to quickly hooking up. Did it then evolve into a formal relationship? Was this something that became boyfriend, girlfriend, exclusive? You know, it was obviously a quick 24 hours, but but what happened after that? It wasn't necessarily like there was never in a formal talk of we're boyfriend, girlfriend. There was no I love yous, nothing, you know, to really move the needle to the next step relationship wise. So how long did it go on for? Probably like that for somewhere between five to eight months. And at the same time, 
time, you know, I got out of a relationship and a pretty legit like corporate work situation around the same time. So I had also went from being a full time, you know, corporate employee to starting freelance. And that freelancing had me traveling quite a bit more than I was when I was an in-house employee. So over that five to eight months, I was out of town probably half the time. So it didn't really feel like that big of a chunk of time. I guess in retrospect, it was, but we definitely weren't together as full time as as it was thinking back on it. And then you moved across the country, right? There's a big breaking point in this where we got five to eight months of hanging out travel. And then you said, okay, actually, I'm going to move across the country for a new opportunity. And that was sort of like a stepping point for you to create more distance in the relationship. What happened So then? that's, you know, it definitely started to exponentially step up once I was at a residence out of state. She would periodically come out to visit. Definitely wasn't anything consistent for, you know, there was probably another four to six months of me not living in the same state and it being like very sporadic, periodic, you know, in person. In Invited to invited, visit, though, totally right? invited like you to would visit, invite her yeah, out. You know, nothing longer than a few days, maybe a week tops. And throughout us hanging out, she definitely figured out what a career path would look like for herself and started making, you know, a lot of headway with herself career-wise. So she took that initial step of getting a proper full-time job in where we first met and used that to find a job where I moved to and moved out to where I was. Did that red flag to you at all then was there anything in your gut that said to you then like "Ooh, she's following me or was it just hey good for her she had an opportunity and she went for it it just so happens to be in the same place i'm in so she was very upfront with that being her intention to find a job to move out to where I was and like she was very vocal about that. I didn't see it as being a toxic red flag. So it sounds to me like you were open to dating her. Yeah, I mean it definitely got to a point where once she came out there like we were definitely boyfriend-girlfriend and like we're being introduced as such. And you were monogamous with her like loyal to her like that was like there was a period where it was just Uh, When I first got out to California before she moved out I was definitely doing my thing and then once she got out there then yes I was I was a good boy for for a period of time I think there was a big discrepancy over when I thought we were no longer together versus when she thought we were no longer together and that time frame I would say that I wasn't cheating where she would say I was okay so I already hear one thing is there is a major communication breakdown which is not unique to you obviously this is a huge problem in relationships in general and I know that when we pull in our cleanup crew expert she's gonna have a lot to say about this but I know because we have the backstory that things took a dramatic turn at some point and I'm assuming it's at the point that we're at in this conversation where you thought things had sort of fizzled out she didn't get the memo and things got weird can you tell us a little bit about how her behavior towards you escalated in an alarming way it slowly but surely got to a point where if she didn't hear something she didn't like or I wasn't being as responsive as she liked, it would just turn into a rapid fire phone call situation. So I would literally get 70 to 90 missed calls a day. Wait, 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 wait. 770. 70 to 90. Whoa. A day. But wait, wait, wait. What What was the impact? Like, did this just start overnight? Was there a thing, a fight? How did we get to 70 to 90 missed calls? Like, what was the journey there? So when she first moved out, 
in the beginning, she was staying with me a lot at my place, like way more than I was comfortable with. And it started turning into a daily battle of, hey, like, I kind of want to sleep alone tonight, or I want these X days alone. Like, can you go stay at your place? And then that would turn into, are you cheating? Or what What are you doing when I'm not here? Or, like, what's going on? Why don't you want me here? And, you know, me just saying, I want space and I, I need peace wasn't an acceptable answer. That that started escalating things considerably and it just grew and grew and grew. Is that when you kind of feel like things in your mind fizzled out and you started distancing and you thought it was clear that you were no longer even in any kind of a couple zone? It definitely put some distance, but it wasn't that moment. There was like a day where I was like, this is it. We're done. Like we're not boyfriend and girlfriend. Like we aren't together. Like we are broken up type of thing. I did it over phone call. And another thing is like, if I say something like that, on a call then she'll say you don't really mean that or I don't believe you and then just slide into a tangent over what how she interprets it and then kind of lay that as the truth down over the conversation we're talking 70 to 90 missed calls a day we're talking hundreds of text messages a day you could call it harassment for sure like the level of calls texts and it got to a point where I just stopped responding like there was an entire year where I didn't respond to one single Thing. An entire year? This went on for a year? Oh, no. I mean, I've known her for three years now. So there was a one-year break in that where after we broke up, I got another girlfriend for a year. I didn't respond to one thing she sent for a year. And then after a year went by, I started communicating again for a holiday or birthday thing and then kind of got sucked back into it again. The one thing I do want to unearth right now is that there is a reason you were even tolerating this level of frustration and dismissiveness and everything else. So what was the reason you were even dealing with the situation? Best sex ever. It's not even just the quantity of text or the frequency of text. The content of the text is actually what's horrifying here. What type of messages were you getting from this girl? It would really go across the spectrum. She tried every type of angle here, so it would either be overly sexual with all sorts of dirty things she wants to do to me. It would be coming at me very angry and accusing me of things to see if I would respond or admit or deny, threatening to either harm herself or, you know, move away or any little angle she could to try to get me to respond. And I never respond. She hasn't just harassed you too, right? She's reached out to anybody she can figure out has an affiliation with me. And most of it is through social media. So if if I post with a cute girl, that cute girl is going to get a DM from this one. She's reached out to my parents. She's reached out to business partners. Like she's really exhausted every single channel to try to keep me in her in her life. And, and by the way, it's worked. It's worked. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. You're still yeah. in her life. That's what I want to get to because you said I don't respond, but really you don't respond until you do. Until I do, right. Because this is a very messy situation, but I think as far as you're concerned, the mess that you have to deal with and that we're going to try to help you deal with is that eventually you actually do what she wants, which is see her, sleep with her, and re-engage with her. And how does that work? I need to know how that works. She really knows how to get me excited. So she'll send me a really erotic picture with a very descriptive, you know, sexual message. And I'm very attracted to her. So at a certain point, it gets really hard to continually turn down the best sex ever when you're getting photos of like somebody you find very attractive that you want to go sleep with. So she sends you a nude. She writes you a dirty message. You get all horned up. You're like, fuck it. I'm going to go do it. Do you go to her? Does she come to you? Like, how do you make sure you're going to make it out of there alive, dude? Like, aren't you a little nervous about what's going to happen? Yes, definitely. I'm nervous all the time. That's part of the excitement. Part of the excitement, I think, for sure. So I'll only go over there. I make sure it's a very controlled environment. So, you know, I keep the phones away, like no opportunity for her to take pictures of me there or like, you know, get any. So do you confiscate her phone? So do you do like a like a. I guess you do a strip search, but do you do like a pat down? <laughs> like, how do you make sure she's not like concealing a weapon? Not even. She knows the deal. So she'll leave her phone like at the front door. Like I'll put it in like my little bag or whatever. And then, uh, you know, I just do a visual search to make sure there's no like cameras on me or anything and go to business. And you're like in, you bang, you leave. There's like no extra time. Like there's no time for pleasantries afterwards. No, no, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll hang. It's controlled, but like, you know, I'll stay over for the night type of thing and then take off in the morning type of deal. There's so much to unpack here. I feel like we have to bring our cleanup crew expert in. She's been listening, but before we do that, we're going to go to a quick break and then we're going to hear what what Alex can do about his messy situation. Okay, we'll be right back. Okay, so now I want to bring in our cleanup crew expert. So I want to welcome Shadeen Francis to Messy Situations. Shadeen is a licensed psychotherapist, educator, and author. Her expertise span the domains of mental health, emotional intelligence, and the intersection between sexual wellness and social justice. And Shadeen really has her work cut out for her today. Hi, Shadeen. Thank you for being on Messy Situations. Hi, thank you for having me. And I'm sure you have a lot you want to say to Alex um your brain is probably swirling although maybe this is not that unusual maybe you maybe you hear this more frequently than Kane and I hear this <laughs> yeah I mean in listening I mean one oof because this is a lot yeah oof is the appropriate response yeah that's that's the clinical terminology for it but also, maybe unsurprisingly to folks, these are really common dynamics. I mean, I am also a millennial and growing up, you know, in the time of like AIM messaging and MSN Messenger, right? Like since then, we have heard about relationships that continue to cross boundaries in a lot of these ways, ways in which some of the things that made it more possible for us to have 
have good long distance or good ongoing communication with folks can also actually start to feel like a, a bit of a betrayal of the space that we're trying to create with one another, right? Do you think the technology is part of what fuels the intensity and fuels like the amount of communication and how quickly it ratchets up. Any tool can be used as a weapon, right? So <laughs> we can use these tools for good and we can use them for harm. But technology absolutely also makes it easier to do either in a lot of ways. It would take this person a, a long time to like lick all those stamps and mail you a letter yeah, you know, 90, no time, 90 times a day. There'd be a lot of trips to the post office. You know, you would you would bankrupt yourself. You know, it'd be much harder to do that kind of investigative work that happens on social without it. And Shadeen, what do we think is happening here, both on Alex's side and on his partner's side? I mean, Alex, you're in a relationship. And I want us to cut through some of the nuances here. It's not a good one. And it also sounds like it's not a safe one. But you are in an ongoing relationship to this person and have been for the last three years. Even in the time at which the two of you were not communicating, largely because you were maintaining your roles in some way in each other's orbit. During that year, maybe more her than you, right? But the re-engagement kind of ends up linking that time. I mean, I guess maybe I can ask this. I'm actually not super clear. What are your goals here? What do you want out of this? That's a great question, actually. Um, I got a whole degree to ask you that. (laughs) (laughs) I think I would just want peace at the end of the day. Like, if we removed the excessive calls and texts from this scenario, that, in my mind, is, like, the big factor that I really hate and it drives me crazy and it's really my seventh layer of hell to deal with. But, like, overall, as a person, like, we definitely get along well and and when things are good, like, she's fantastic to be around. So, I mean, I guess, like, in my core, I just wish that the communication would change but I think it's just gotten like way too far down the road of like all this toxicity happening to ever realistically go back to a normal functioning relationship. Yeah, and from my vantage point, the challenge is that at this place, you don't get both. That we don't get, you know, to just say, okay, I want the good parts and not the bad parts. Right. I mean, largely because both of you have created both parts. And there's lots of it that exists outside of your relationship to each other, right? Both of you came in with stuff that is active in your relationship to each other. When we get to this juncture, as you're thinking about like what you want out of this, I think the first place is getting clear on are you in or are you out, right? Because I know that you described, you know, we have felt differently about that at different times. You know, I thought we were off and she thought we were on. I was kind of out. She wanted to be in. It also sounds like you were unclear for a large part of it what she was actually thinking or feeling. It sounds like maybe in a lot of ways you're still unclear about what she wants or what she's thinking or feeling even though there has been a a large volume of communication when we're in relationships where we feel stuck we feel very powerless and so I, I really want you to hear me say to you Alex about this I mean you're not stuck and I mean it feels sticky because we're in it these are choices that we make and so we choose and we continue to choose sex actually doesn't have the same addictive quality as if we were talking about like narcotics we choose we desire and so we pursue and that really is how that's how it works we get a thrill we get a rush and then sometimes we think about it later and we're like ugh, I don't feel good about that choice or it feels difficult 
to say no to an enticing choice. The only way this circumstance changes is if either of you decide to get clear on your boundaries and stick to them, right? You're not clear on your boundaries, so she has had little reason to believe you, right, and stick to them, even though that is what a respectful relationship needs, right? We actually need to honor our boundaries, but it's also your responsibility to be really clear with where your no's are and to stick with it because as much as she knows what to say, you also know what she's going to say. Right. So let's play that out. So she's already blocked and everything. She knows for a fact that I don't want her reaching out to me. I've said that multiple times, probably 300 times I've said, just let me go, just let me go, just let me go. None of that stuff works. So beyond getting a restraining order, like what additional steps could I take to eliminate this communication? Some of the shift is not actually waiting for her to do the releasing, right? And I know that there are some ways in which you've continued to move on with your life. Let's relate this to other times when we talk about like uh, obsessions or being um, addicted to things, right? Like if, if, I mean, if this were drugs, the least helpful thing to do is when drugs are continuously being offered to you and you don't feel like you are in a position to say, okay, I can maintain good boundaries around this. The least helpful thing is to do a little bit of drugs, right? <laughs> and so here sure. but drugs <laughs> but drugs aren't placing themselves in your phone at your house like they're not reaching out to you the thing here in every relationship is and i acknowledge we'd be having a different conversation here if we were talking about feeling like unsafe and this is not me saying that her behavior is not problematic right use the word harassment and there definitely is grounds for that if we were you know all together i'd be able to have an accountability conversation with her also um you just volunteered for the hot seat and so this is this is with love yeah availability is not actually enough to say well then this should just continue she will continue to make herself available to you Shadeen are there any takeaways for anybody dealing with a cyclical little bit obsessive maybe not to this extreme situation and for Alex what would be your takeaway for how to start changing that behavior and moving out of this cycle the first thing that I want us to just re-highlight again are the choices that we make in these cycles. It's so easy to feel disempowered by the patterns that we have in our lives. And so I just want us to start with not taking more accountability than is our fair share, but for us to notice the ways in which we maintain unhelpful cycles or dynamics in our lives. The second piece is that we will never be able to control anybody else's behavior. And something like volume, intensity, escalations, right? Those are strong provocations that keep us hooked in patterns. And so it's really important for us to be paying attention to that because they are tools that we use consciously and unconsciously to get our way. We know that if I keep berating you, reaching out, contacting you, following you, showing up, that ultimately I'm going to get what I want from you. And a third thing that I want us to know is that a lot of this, especially other people's behavior in regards to this stuff, actually isn't about us. And that's often the hardest blow to hold, that while we are accountable for the ways in which we encourage and participate and whatnot, this level of contact and intensity and escalation can make us feel really desired. Folks who are kind of obsessed with us are often like really good at sex because they're paying really close attention. They give us what we want. They know how to do that, right? But that 
actually isn't about us, that's not actually about genuine love or care or passion or interest. It's often a power negotiation and a safety tool that a lot of folks use when we don't actually feel safe in the world or safe in our bodies. And so it's important for us to know that this isn't intimacy or chemistry or destined to be kinds of bonds. These are actually often trauma bonds from her places of trauma and also your places of trauma, even if you might not use the T word on it, Alex, the thing that inspires you to choose the easy way, even though you acknowledge you're super capable of making other choices, that it's leaning on something. And if we were willing to work on those things, we would actually find that there wouldn't be much incentive to keep returning to each other. Jadine, that is so powerful and poignant of pointing to this relationship we have between power and trauma and the impact and symbiotic relationship that they both share. We've had a heavy episode today and a complicated one. I want to thank you for giving us your time and your wisdom and your beautiful voice, which has been so smoothing and and enjoyable. I want to thank Alex for sharing his mess with us. And I want to bless this mess, which we do at the end of all of our episodes, as a way to acknowledge, to give hope and good peace to any mess. And I don't just want to bless it for Alex. I want to bless it for his partner, too, because there are two people going through something here. I entered this conversation and left this conversation with a very different perspective, and that's the goal of this show. So I want to bless it and thank you guys for your time today. You can help us spread the word about messy situations like Alex's by subscribing, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Messy Situations is a production of Lola Media and is produced and engineered by Riley McCaskill with assistant producer Mesh Lakani.